This morning as we continue our journey here at Luke, it is a oft misinterpreted passage that we come to because of the slant that's given that this is just an outright condemnation of anyone who ever gets anything done. And and that's not true. And so this morning, uh, I want to remind you that though I've asked a question here, the answer to it is actually you don't have to be just one or the other. You can be both. And so this morning, Mary or Martha, which one are you? And as you look at this passage, you can almost see how it's easily misapplied because there is a a little bit of the Lord speaking to the issue of, of Martha's service. But he's not really trying to condemn service. He's simply trying to say, look, everything we do, all that we are, what we say and how we say it should bring glory and honor to the Lord. And if you get really, really, really busy and ultimately people can't find Jesus and you're really, really, really busyness, then you've kind of missed the point of being a Christian. And so this morning we'll pick up here in Luke 10 and chapter or chapter 10 and verse 38, and just four verses for us this morning. And which one do you like? Because I think each of us have a tendency to be one of these two people, at least in a natural sense. Um, I'll save you from the guessing, I'm a super Martha at heart. Okay, I am like, I was born, I'm a double Martha. If there's such a thing, that's just the way I'm wired, that's how I'm bent. And it has taken me a very, very, very long time uh, to be able to recognize that there's value in just simply sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it's real easy to become like a Martha who in this passage uh, becomes distracted. And so I pray this morning that the Lord would just minister to us by the truth of his word. Would you join me and let's ask him to bless. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the Martha's in this church and the Mary's in this church and I pray God that you'd help us to find that balance between those those two places God and sometimes uh, we do need to be busy and at other times we need to simply sit at your feet and so Lord this morning help us to sit at your feet Lord to just not be distracted not be carried away by the things that are going on Lord in our lives or in this place but to learn from you. And so, God, we give you the time, and we pray now that you would speak to us from heaven. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, as you see in this passage, uh, firstly, make sure that you recognize even Jesus needed friends. And it is important for us to recognize before we even look at this passage that Jesus was fully man and fully God. And as fully man, having someone to share with and to sit down with and take a little respite from was a very wonderful thing. Jesus is now entering a time in his life, and just to give you a little bit of a, of, of a view forward, where we're at right now in Luke's Gospel, this time is likely around December, probably very near the holiday that we know, the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. In December, Jesus is now getting very close to the city of Jerusalem. So close that from one hill away you can see it. But he's also less than 120 days from the cross. And so he has entered enemy territory. This is the headquarters of the Sanhedrin. This is the headquarters of the Pharisees. This is the headquarters of the Sadducees. This place is absolutely filled with the law, and Jesus came to set us free from the law and sin and death. And so he's about to enter into enemy territory. And so it should not surprise us that he takes a little bit of a break. Jesus needed breaks. Pastors need breaks. You probably need a break. We all need a break. And it's good to spend some time with some friends and just be ministered to. And that is the simplicity of this place. And I'm going to ask you a couple of very simple questions. Okay? How many of you have ever been too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus? I have two hands up. How many of you 
have been so busy sitting at the feet of Jesus that you never got anything done. Mm, on that one too. You see, you can air both directions. You can be so spiritually minded that you end up no earthly good. I've bumped into those folks. I've had some of them in my employ. I have ministered to people who never get anything done. Jesus doesn't want you to be useless. He didn't bring you to this earth to be useless. So sitting at His feet, though necessary, should not produce uselessness in your life. But I've also seen people who are, like most of your hands that went up, so busy that no one could even find Jesus in your life. That's me. That's been me. And that's actually the chief reason that a couple of years ago, Connie and I were like, we need to do something about this because you're too busy. Verse 38. And now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And we know from the other Gospels and from later on in Luke which village it is. It's the village of Bethany. And so Jesus is going to enter the village of Bethany. That would be the home of Mary and Martha. We know that uh, because that's also the their brother Lazarus. Jesus goes and ministers to him. We're told exactly where this is. And so it's the little village of Bethany. And so here Jesus enters this house. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And up to that point, everything's good. That's what you should do when friends come over. That's what you should do, especially in that culture, because in the Eastern culture, the Middle Eastern culture, in the Oriental culture, actually, hospitality is highly prized. And it was considered a a tremendous sign of disrespect to not welcome someone who came to visit you in, in multiple ways, which I've shared with you. You certainly would have offered them a bowl to wash their feet, you would have allowed them to wash their face and their hands. If you were relatively well off, you would have anointed their head with oil, and then you would have given them a meal. And so it's headed the right direction. There's probably even a right heart towards the initial uh, desire to serve and to love on Jesus and to prepare a meal for Him. But it goes somewhat sideways from there. And you see, this is where we can really get a glimpse of how important it is that we don't get out of balance. Because you can be so busy serving the Lord that you stop serving the Lord. You're serving you. You're serving food. Uh, you, You can care more about the carpet than you do about the kids. You can end up in a place that you really didn't intend to go by being too focused on the job at hand. Now, let's be honest. In order to get stuff done, stuff has to get done. Amen? Kind of a simple concept, but in order for something to happen, something needs to happen. Because those spiritually, overly spiritual people sit around and, well, brother, I'd like to help you, but I'm busy meditating. Well, sister, I I know you're completely overwhelmed, but I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. You can go too far the other way, too. So let's see the balance in our passage this morning. It becomes very clear when you simply read it. And so a certain woman named Martha welcomed him, Jesus, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary... Notice, circle, and underline the three words that follow. Who also sat at Jesus' feet. In other words, there was a point in time because you can't also do something unless you've previously done it. Amen? Who also sat at Jesus' feet. So there was a point in time when Martha sat at Jesus' feet. She used to have it more in balance. She had it at some point in time in a more clear perspective, if you will. And so Mary, 
who is one of the two who also sat at Jesus' feet, is now going to sit at Jesus' feet again and heard His Word. So, here comes this picture for us. And I want you to notice how simple it is to get off track. But Martha was distracted. Anybody ever get distracted from the things of the Lord besides me? Let me tell you how this goes. I got up about 4 o'clock this morning. My dog alarm went off. Labrador licking ensued. And, and, and my dog alarm goes off, and so at 4 o'clock I'm up and I go, great! I, for some reason I woke up very, very alert, and I'm like, cool, I get to spend some extra time with Jesus. So I sit down at my, at my table in the living room, and I make coffee, and I've got a whole pot of coffee going, I'm wired. I'm like, thank you Jesus for coffee and a Bible. And I'm sitting, and I'm enjoying my time with the Lord. And all of a sudden, in the back of my mind, I wonder who's in the sweet 16. And so what do I do? I grab my smartphone. And I'm looking up. Yes, my Aztecs won. I'm totally distracted. I look at it. Smartphones make you dumb. And I huck to my phone. You see, it's easy to get distracted. The things of the earth come up. You, you get into that place to where you're just trying to focus on the things of God, and all of a sudden something silly as a meal stands between you and the feet of Jesus. Something as silly as a smartphone. Something as silly as someone not driving real well coming up the hill. Anybody ever get distracted by that? You know, you follow somebody up the hill at about 12 miles an hour. After the first mile, you're like, you're not even saved anymore. You need to get saved again. She's like, and if you actually talk to those people, they would not know Jesus. Okay, they could hear what's going on in the back of your head. You see how easy it is to get distracted. Now you got to drive. You need to get home. I don't think you want to walk up there. You could, but there's there's that distraction that happens in life, and the Lord doesn't want us distracted by what happens in life. He wants us to still be sitting at His feet. While we're working, you can do both. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she approached him and said, and here comes the whining, sniveling part, Lord, 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 I can't believe i got to do this by myself. There's serious sniveling going on in this passage. Let me give you a little secret. Whenever you take on stuff that God doesn't want for you, you become a sniveler, a whiner, a grumbler, a complainer. You find fault with other people. You start to judge everyone else's motivations. You look at them as though they are the slovenly ones, and you are, of course, spiritual because you're doing it. Be careful. Because when you change the tone of your voice to match Martha's, you can be pretty sure you're not walking in the Spirit. Because serving the Lord should not produce what follows. Because it's not of the Spirit. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? You see it? Do you understand it? You see what she's saying? I'm the really spiritual one here. I'm serving you, and my sister's doing nothing. And if everyone would just work as hard as I do, the world would be a better place. For all you Marthas out there, of whom I am a charter member of the Martha Club, got my card. Hear this passage well. Because very often what happens to us Martha types as we start to resent the Mary types. It's like, really? You're going to read your Bible? Don't you realize how much stuff there is to do right now? You're going to stop and pray? Why did you do that on your own time? 
give you a little secret. How much time is God's time? All of it. But us Mary types, we think that. You're praying. We're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be sitting at Jesus' feet. We're also supposed to be getting stuff done. But you can't just throw one out and do the other. You need to be able to do both. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to get her lazy carcass off the floor and come over here and pick up some kind of food service item and get busy. You kind of see it? That's kind of the tonal inflection, I I, I would imagine. Because Jesus is going to correct her, but he's not going to correct her the way she speaks. Come on, tell my sister to get on the ball here. Get on the stick. we got stuff to do. Oh, that's right. You didn't ask for this meal. I'm just doing it my own strength. Therefore, tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus said to her, and in the original language, let me let me give you a little secret here. The double the repetition of her name is an indicator of how Jesus is speaking. It's Martha, Martha, Martha. Come on, seriously? Are you kidding me? We need to correct your attitude here, sis. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. He's not beating her up. He's not returning with the same vehement kind of, you know, we'll tell her to get over here and help right now. He's saying, Martha, you, you got your priorities messed up. You got the order of things backwards, upside down. You, you you need to do a little bit of growing here. But one thing is needed. One thing you absolutely have to do, and you got to do it 100% of the time. Let me Let me just say this to you. You can get all kinds of things done and not glorify the Lord. You can be incredibly industrious and busy and actually be ashamed to the Lord. But you can't get anything done without sitting at the feet of Jesus if it's going to glorify the Lord. Because His fragrance needs to be in it. His signature needs to be on it. And His presence needs to be about it. It's got to be about Him. Otherwise, you get the glory and not Him. And so the message is, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. Not the whole, that good part. Notice how he's kind of saying, look, we need to get both these things done, but remember that you can't do anything without me. And that will not be taken away from her. You see, the issue here was balance. And as you as you start to look at this whole scenario, and, I, and I've thrown a map up here so you can kind of get a picture of what I said before, you, you see as, as you would look at this little house which is in Bethany, uh, if you go to Israel today and you stand on the Mount of Olives, and, and I'll give you a picture from there, you can actually see both places. If you're on the Mount of Olives, you can see downtown Jerusalem. And you can also see towards Bethany. And so this is Jesus taking a break. He, he needs to be ministered to before he heads in to town, before he goes to Jerusalem. And as he goes in and out, probably at least three times in the next uh, about two and a half to three months before the final trip, which will take him to the cross, as he does that, literally all hell is going to break loose in his life ultimately leading to his betrayal, his arrest, his false trial, his crucifixion, his death, and then his resurrection. So as he's 
gathered for this little tiny uh, bit of respite. He's there in, in a, at a time, as I shared with First Service, if you're with us on Wednesday night, I encourage you to get a CD or go online and listen to it. Jesus is now in that period of time called a tetrad. And there would be four full lunar eclipses. One of them would happen on this particular weekend that he's now at. It ha- actually happened during Hanukkah of that year. And then followed by Passover, these to trumpets, followed by the following Passover. And so these things that would occur, God said in the heavens, look, when you see these signs in the heavens, this is what's going to happen. That's what happened at this time. So he's in that period of time. Interestingly enough, in our day and time, the last 2,000 years, only three other times has this occurred. So from the time of Christ until today, only three other times. Once in 1492, a second time in 1948, and a third time in 1967. When the Jews were kicked out of Spain, when Israel became a nation, and when the Temple Mount was retaken by the, by the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. And so each time these things happen, Jesus is now, at this time, during one of those periods of time. So they're important periods of time. Ultimately, for this one, Jesus is going to go to the cross. And so he's there in Bethany. If you stood on the Mount of Olives, now if you can kind of lock that map into your head, from that particular top of that hill, you could look back towards Jerusalem. You're looking about three-quarters of a mile over towards the Temple Mount. Just three-quarters of a mile the other way would have been Bethany. Jesus is right next to Jerusalem, and he's meeting with the people who love him. And though you go there today, that's actually a Jewish cemetery. You'll notice there's no headstones on any of those graves. That's because every time they put one up, the Arabs come and destroy them. Desecrate the graves, and so they're unmarked largely. And in fact, Bethany now is in Arab-controlled West Bank. It's actually an Arab city. And so here this family gathers together. And I I would just say, now we begin to kind of unfold the story. You you see, they kind of both had their place. Martha had chosen to serve and Mary had chosen to sit. They weren't necessarily wrong, but Martha's attitude was seriously wrong. Amen? Amen? Because in case you don't get this principle, that coffee, though it almost makes itself, doesn't actually make itself. Someone has to serve you. Someone's got to get up in the morning and come in and push a button. Well, they've got to put coffee in the filters first. So there's nothing wrong with serving, amen? The sound system, it doesn't work by itself. There's no autopilot. You can't punch a, punch a button and you know adjust for levels. And all Somebody has to serve. You go to the nursery. You moms know this. Husbands, maybe you don't. There's no auto-changing diapers. Doesn't happen. Diaper has to be changed. Somebody's got to change it. I'm pretty sure none of you have, any of you have the auto-cleaning house. I didn't think so. How about the instantly filling bank account? So you probably all have to work, yeah? Yeah. You need to serve. You, you, there are things that you have to do because I serve my family. You serve your family. When you're earning money, that's service. But it needs to be done with the right heart because if you come home and, and all you've done is put money in the bank and then you mistreat your spouse because you put money in the bank, then you've kind of missed the whole point of serving Jesus. The Lord needs both dreamers and doers. And man, can you see this in the disciples? John was a total dreamer. He was kind of the love bug. You know, he just loved everybody. Peter was, where's the ear? I'll cut it off. You can kind of see God used both. And not once did Jesus really get on Peter's case for being kind of too much of a doer. He needed both. So there is a place in the kingdom for both of those types of people. And so if you're one or the other, praise the Lord, we need you. But I can also tell you this, that for those of us who are on the Martha side, we kind of 
don't like you dreamers much. You know, we we look at that. You, you did what? That was a waste of nine nanoseconds. What is wrong with you? And you dreamers, God, you're so busy. Why don't you just stop? Just sit down for... Why? I don't have time to sit down. You, you see, you can kind of be conflictory or you can realize that we need both. We need people that are dreamers. We need people that are doers. We need both. We need sitters. We need servers. But at the end of the day, what's really, really, really important is that we're all worshipers. Amen? You, you see, that's what got lost in this whole story. When you can get so busy that you no longer worship the Lord, then you're in that place to where you're totally occupied for Christ, but you're not occupied with Christ. you see the difference? You can be so occupied with things that you're doing for the Lord that you're not occupied with the Lord. You're no longer worshiping Him. You're just doing stuff. It's godly stuff. It's biblical stuff, maybe. But can I tell you, that's real easy. It's actually a very easy place for pastors to get in trouble. Because here's what can happen. In case you didn't notice, it's actually difficult to prepare messages. It is something you have to get engaged in doing. They don't prepare themselves. These PowerPoint slides, there's no, you know, I don't just dial somebody up. Hey, do you have a PowerPoint slide on this that goes along with my notes, which you don't have and don't know? You know, yeah, you have to do those things. There's Part of it is actual work. But I can tell you this, you can get so absorbed in doing the work of the ministry that you no longer do it in the Spirit. All of a sudden you're sitting there going, wow, you know, i got to get this done, i got to get that done. And then somebody calls up and, hey, do you have, a, you have a couple of minutes to talk to me? No, I'm busy doing the Lord's work. I don't have time for you peons. Can't you see I'm important? I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm right now... Doing God's things. You see, you can get the wrong attitude. You can have the wrong heart. You can prepare some wonderful messages and then do them without the conviction of the Spirit. You can do them with a lack of love. You could even do them without the proper emphasis on truth because all you've done has been really good at preparing messages. There's no evidence that God's in it. And God wants to be in it. He wants to be in everything, every facet of our lives. And so we have to be careful that we're not simply occupied for Christ and not occupied with Christ. Charles Wesley, author of hundreds of hymns, one of them, he wrote actually on this passage, and one of the stanzas to it says, Faithful to my Lord's commands, still I would choose the better part to serve with careful Martha's hands and a loving Mary's heart. Both. Careful hands and a loving heart. And that's actually the point Jesus is trying to drive home in this passage. It's not either or. It's not one or the other. It's respecting people who maybe have one side of this a little maybe more well, if you will, than the other. And see... As worshipers, we need to also work hard. And as those who work, we need to still worship. I need to sit at Jesus' feet. And I would just share something with you. It's something that a lot of people just don't get. Some people that don't you know, have any idea what it takes to, to minister in an environment like this in a church. There's a lot of what a church does that is a business. Can I just say that to you? You know, we have bills to pay and taxes to pay. Everybody says churches don't pay taxes. That's not true. We don't pay some taxes, but we do pay taxes. Connie, is she's like our accountant. She does all kinds of crazy stuff. We still have to pay payroll taxes and all those kinds. It's all business stuff. When the fire marshal comes, we can't just tell them, well, we don't believe in you. We're just worshiping God. We're worshiping God right now. Can you just go away and come back some other time? It doesn't work. You can't tell them those types of things. You know why? 
they'll shut you down. So you need to be Jesus to them. You know, it's so good to see you. We're so thankful for the things that you do in our community. How can we help you? Let, yeah, absolutely. I've got time for you right now. There are things that are a business. Still have to do maintenance. Got to clean carpets. All that type of stuff. There's things to be busy. But let me, let me give you a little a sense of this. Then if somebody comes and they need to be ministered to, look, dude, I'm cleaning carpet. Just go away. Can you come back? Could you have a life crisis at a better time? Sheesh. What's wrong with you? You see, i got a spot. I'm almost done with it. Come back when I'm done with it. What do you think that person's going to think about Jesus? They're not going to want any part of that Jesus. Amen? Why? Because then they think the carpet's more important than them. And that's not who Jesus... Jesus didn't come for carpet. Didn't come for buildings. He didn't come to save the whales. All those things you might—they're they're good things. Need to get done. I don't like the fact that whales get killed, but I can tell you this: dead whales or no, it's people that go to heaven or hell. Carpets get cleaned or not, it's people that go to heaven or hell. We need to be concerned about what God's concerned about, and God's concerned about. People and worshiping the Lord. And so in our story, we just see somebody who's got these things out of balance. It wasn't that Martha was wrong to want to fix Jesus a wonderful meal. But she put the meal ahead of being a worshiper. And we can't do that. We can't do that. We have to be concerned about our heart's attitude. It's the difference between us walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. Amen? I can get all kinds of things done in the flesh. You you can do all kinds of projects in the flesh. But they won't give glory to the Lord. Because it will be very evident. And here's why. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, all those things, won't be evidenced in the person who's simply getting the job done. That's why Jesus said what he said to Martha. He said, Martha, it's just your flesh, sweetheart. You need to chill a little bit. You're concerned about all these things, and all your things are keeping people from sitting at my feet. They're so concerned about you and what you're getting done or not getting done, that they're not hearing my words. There'll be plenty of time to work, but right now is the time to worship. And so there are some things that you can kind of see in this passage that as we look at them, you, you can just throughout all of Scripture, you get this picture. Remember when Jesus began to speak to the disciples, especially in Matthew's Gospel, as the Sermon on the Mount unfolds, and as all these things, he sets the stage there. He says, look, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what Matthew 4 4 says. And here's why it's important in this particular place. In order to have bread, what do you have to do? Gotta make bread, don't you? So you can be the baddest baker on earth and still not glorify Jesus. You can get all kinds of stuff done. Your kitchen can be organized so that when someone comes in, they go, wow, this is awesome. But if the moment you bake a loaf of bread, you turn them off to the Christ who is your provider, you have missed the point as a Christian. Wow, this is great bread. What's the name? Satan's bread. Great, that's nice. You you get the point? You see, you can be busy doing all kinds of great things and nobody can find Jesus in your life. You just sit at the feet of Jesus. Jeremiah 15 says, Your words I found and I ate them and they became joy to me. That 119th Psalm, Your words are sweeter than the honeycomb. You, You see... People are supposed to be able to to see and and understand who Jesus is by hanging around us. 
And if we get so busy that they can't find Jesus in what we do and what we say and who we are, then we've missed the calling that God's given us on this earth. We still need to be able to see Jesus in everything. And that's why he said there in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and, and I in him bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can't bake bread. Apart from me, you can't clean carpets. Apart from me, you can do, notice the word, nothing. Everything I do is supposed to be filled with the fragrance of Christ. Everything I am is, is supposed to speak Jesus to people. Even the IRS when you're there. Even when you get pulled over because you were going a little too fast through town, they're supposed to be able to find Jesus. Amen? That's your whole goal while you're on this earth is so that people can know Him and the power of His resurrection. To be laborers in the harvest field. The laborers are few. And some of the laborers don't really look like laborers. Because they're distracted and they're too busy. I want to give you a few things that I, I, I really think we can draw as we kind of bring this to a close. Martha wasn't a total mess. She wasn't a wreck. She wasn't completely out of her league. She was not unusable to the Lord. She wasn't totally and radically in sin. She was not wandering around, you know, and everybody's probably looking at her and going, man, what's up with Martha? Jesus was simply correcting something in her life that needed a touch. And I want you to notice these three things. Number one, her priority was wrong. Her priority was wrong. She had meal over Jesus. It's just a wrong priority. It wasn't that the meal wasn't important. It's just that Jesus was more important. Need to get the right priority. Jesus has to be first. So when you do something like prepare a meal for somebody, probably some of you have had this experience. You go over to somebody's house for a meal and all they do is bellyache about how hard it was to prepare the meal that you're eating. I've had that experience. Husband and wife are sitting there arguing and fighting. Well, you know, if you'd have just gotten the sauce done earlier, you ever heard those things? You know, if you just, well, if you had to put the chicken, it's kind of like a Christmas vacation turkey thing. Well, it's a little dry. You see, it is so important for us to understand that we've got to have the right priority. We shouldn't put people off by getting stuff done. The Lord should receive the glory for that. And the second thing is, is the perspective. You see, if she had just had God's viewpoint in this, if Martha had understood that, then she would have been able to adjust her priority. But she had her earth, earthly viewpoint. She was simply looking at the task at hand going, Help! Can't you see I'm overwhelmed here? How many of you have ever had the opportunity to be say that you're overwhelmed and then realize you're the one that made you that way? You're running through all that stuff, and you know you got your list, and then you have a list of what's on your list, and it's indexed to what should be on your list, and you're going through everything. You pull it out, and go, man, can you see my list? And all of a sudden, you're cursing everyone around you. Well, you just saw my list, and then all of a sudden, you realize you're your own worst enemy because your perspective is here. It's the stuff and not there and Him. Having a heavenly perspective changes your viewpoint. All of a sudden it's like, Lord, do you even want me to do this stuff? I share a little secret with you, with me. That's usually where I struggle. It's like, sure, it can be done. What, you want to build a skyscraper and run? Yeah, let's do it. I just say yes to everything. And then after I get through about halfway into something, I go, how come no one is joining me in this endeavor? Well, it's because it was stupid to begin with. 
It wasn't from the Lord. It was just, you know, it's just something good to do, and you get it done, and all of a sudden you're looking around, and you're like mean and horrible to people. You, you see, you got to make sure it's his priority, not yours, and his perspective, and not yours. And finally, the performance end of it, God has given us, given us nothing that he's not given us a way to get done. The performance issues, if I put into practice his word every day, if I do what he asked me to do, and not just the ideas that I can come up with, then I don't end up with a wrong priority and a wrong perspective, and I don't have a problem with performance either. Notice Mary's problem with performance. Well, tell her to get in here and help me. I can't get this done. Well, that's because nobody ever asked you to do it. Jesus did not walk through the door. Well, I think you need to make me a really nice meal. Spend like three days preparing the food that I don't want. I'd be happy with a sandwich. You ever notice how some people do that? They kind of make a big deal out of everything. And then they get totally stressed out over making a big deal about everything. And then they don't even remotely resemble Christ because they made a big deal about everything. Guilty. One of my issues. Praise God I'm not like I was. Because I didn't even used to like me. I used to not like me. Now I kind of like me every once in a while. But it, the point I'm trying to drive home is this. If you're doing God's things, God's way, the result will be glory to God. If you're doing your things, your way, the result will be glory to you, which is not all that good most of the time. You see, we need to do His things His way. That's why Jesus, in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember what he said there, he says, above all else, above everything else, make it your tenacious desire to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else will take its place. If you don't sit at the feet of Jesus, then everything's messed up. If you're a Christian, the world doesn't know any better. But if you're a Christian, to not sit at the feet of Jesus makes life tough. Makes it unbearable. Makes it hard to sort out, get through. So I need to take time to meet with Jesus personally and privately and intimately every single day. Can, can I share with you something that, and I'll just tell you straight up, whenever I encounter people who are going through tough times, one of the questions that I'm going to ask you, so I'll just tell you ahead of time, you come into my office, I'll ask you, how's your devotional life? How's your personal, private, intimate time with Jesus? And you know what I invariably find when somebody says their life's completely out of control? Devotional life, what's that? prayer life. Well, when I'm driving down the 330, I pray sometimes. Your intimate time with Jesus. I don't have time to be intimate with Jesus. They'll tell me they're Martha's. They're too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus. Let me just tell you, it's not fun to be a full-blown Martha. It's not good. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, have a hat too. Got my own pens, even a mug. Martha. Ask Connie, she can give you stories for like weeks on end about my Martha-ness. Ask my boys, they'll, they can share a few. You want to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's why he says it's the better part. Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus, then everything else takes its place. That's how you seek first the kingdom of God. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's letting him input so that you have something to give out. But what invariably happens, if you don't, is you become like Martha. 
Well, just tell her to get her lazy carcass over here right now and help me. Because I am totally overwhelmed. I can't believe you would sit there and do nothing but talk about Jesus. Now, am I saying that you need to be so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good? Of course not. Your Bible is filled, especially the book of James. Be therefore a doer of the word. Amen? Not a hearer only. So there's a place for being a doer. But not at the expense of being a worshiper. Not the expense of you losing the Spirit's work in your life so you can get stuff done. Not so you can scream and yell at your spouse or your kids or end up as a vile person to work with. It should not result in you going into town and all of a sudden you're banned from Jensen's because you have nothing nice to say about anyone. And yes, I hear the stories. Well, you know, the people that go to your church. That shouldn't happen. That's being a Martha. All right, so it said it was supposed to be on sale. But you stand in line while ten people are waiting and scream at the top of your lungs about how it's 25 cents more than it says on the sign. That isn't pleasing to Jesus. It's not. People don't see Jesus. And in fact, it has exactly the opposite effect. People go, well, that's what a Christian does. I don't want to be one. God's things have to be done God's way. And if you look at poor Mary here, she's got to witness all this. Amen? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus going, mm, this is bad. You don't want to put people on the spot like that. So don't be like Martha was in this little vignette. I want to show you something here. Martha's words not just reflected anger, but they reflected irreverence towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Think about it for a second. This is Jesus. And she's saying, Jesus, you need to do what I want you to do. Tell her to come work. You get in a lot of trouble by trying to tell Jesus what to do. Not a good thing. But I also want you to see the response of the Lord. He doesn't blast Martha. He says, Martha, you got your priorities messed up. You need to square that away. And so to kind of condense this down, when we find Mary, notice these three places. Sitting at the feet, listening to the Word. Sitting at His feet, sharing His woes, sharing her woes. And sitting at the feet of Jesus in worship. Those three things are essential to your spiritual growth, by the way. If you don't take in the Word, you will not grow. If you don't cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you, you're going to carry your cares. And if you don't worship Him, then you're going to worship you. You got it? That's what will happen. That's why it's important to sit at the feet of Jesus. And if God's given you something to do, then it's going to get done His way. It will glorify Him. It will honor Him. It will bring Him praise. You don't have to be one or the other. You can be both. But you must be a worshiper. That's why it says Mary has chosen the better part. Because you can be a working worshiper. But you can't just simply be a worker. And so I pray that like the 70... We've been called to be ambassadors. We want to be ambassadors for Christ. Amen? Like the Good Samaritan, we've been called to be neighbors. We want to be loving Christ-like neighbors. Amen? And like the sisters, we want to be able to say that we sat at the feet of Jesus and worshipped Him. Amen? So we have to be worshippers to do all those things. I can't be an ambassador without being a worshipper. I can't be a neighbor without being a worshiper. 
And I sure can't be a worshiper without being a worshiper. Amen? Mary chose the better part. And I want to encourage you. We ought to be able to to say that we do what we do and do absolutely everything we do very well while we're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not instead of. And I pray that the Lord would strengthen us to that end. Amen? Would you stand? Father God, we just come to you and Father, I, I confess there's still a little too much Martha in me at times, and there's probably a few of us in here who can say that. And Lord, there are probably some people who don't get much done because they're having the wrong priority. Lord, thinking that doing nothing is also good. And so, Lord, help us with our weaknesses and those areas where we need to be strengthened. And above all things, Lord, would you just help us to sit down at your feet and to have that time in your word, that time in prayer, Lord, that intimate time to where we can take in from your spirit. God, we thank you for loving us, Lord. We're so grateful that as you look at our lives and we recognize your work, that God, it isn't about our performance. God, we thank you that you love us with an undying love. God, you put up with our faults and weaknesses, and we know that you loved Mary, and we know that you loved Martha. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for putting up with us, Lord. We pray that you'd bless us this day. Fill us with your spirit. As we leave, we pray that you would just receive our gifts, our tithes, our offerings, God, for your kingdom's use. Lord, that little box there at the top of the stairs is just its how we say we love you in a practical way. And so, Lord, receive those things. Bless us, God. Send us with joy. Lead us with your peace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.